You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly Market Talk podcast. Today is Tuesday the 12th of January. I'm Stuart Banks from AIB Treasury. As usual, I'm joined today by Oliver Mangan, AIB's Chief Economist, to discuss the latest market developments. Ollie, we'll lead off with the UK. Over the last week, Euro sterling has traded in a very narrow 90p range. What does that tell us about the market's view of the EU-UK trade deal and what can we expect going forward? Well, I suppose you could say the stability of the exchange rate would indicate that an agreement was widely expected by the markets. Now, it's fair to say that in the going back as far as last May, the currency has been in quite a narrow range. I mean, 89 to 93p has contained all the action for sterling euro since last May. And since the deal has been done, or even the, the couple of weeks ahead of that, it's really been an 89 to 91p range. So as you say, in around the 90p level, there were expectations that the currency might get a bounce because of the removal of uncertainty if we had a trade deal. But the trade in the end has turned out to be a, a rather limited or what they call a skinny trade deal. It's confined to goods. It doesn't include services. And in particular, what surprised people, it didn't extend to financial services. And already in the past week, we've seen the EU, City of London lose some business to the EU. Now, it's interesting, the Bank of England governor was out last week saying that he obviously welcomed the trade deal, but he reckons it's likely to see a hit of 2% to UK GDP over the next couple of years. And the what's called the Office of Budget Responsibility in the UK, that's the office that forecasts public finances and what have you, it says that that will rise to 3 to 4% over time. So... Obviously, it's from the UK's point of view, it's avoided a much worse outcome in terms of a no, no deal, hard Brexit or no trade deal. But even the type of trade deal we have is expected to act as a headwind to the economy over the next number of years and dampen the growth rate of the economy somewhat. So hence, you know, sterling is at low levels against the euro. You know, it's at 90p. That's quite a weak level for sterling against the euro. If you take it against the dollar... It's still below 140, and you know all the period between, let's say, the mid 1980s up until the Brexit referendum in 2016, you know, sterling hardly ever dropped below 140. We trade around 160, 170, 180. So the currency is at, at low levels, and it's stabilised really at these low levels on foot of the deal. I suppose what we could say is that sterling would have seen a further downing or a further period of weakness if we hadn't got a trade deal. So uh, the fact that it's remained within an hour range, I think, tells you that it was widely expected by the markets. And you have to say in regard to the UK as well, the backdrop is not great in terms of the sharp rise in COVID cases, the lockdown of the economy, which could let, well last for all of quarter one, the fact that the COVID pandemics had a much bigger impact on the UK economy than elsewhere. So they're all negative headwinds for the currency. So, you know, it's estimated the economy contracted by 11% last year in 2020, and growth forecasts have been scaled back for this year. So it's going to be the second half of 2021 or 2022 before the UK economy begins to recover from the pandemic. And I say you've had that added headwind now that the UK is out of the single market, out of the customs union, and we're really beginning to see, I suppose, signs of trade becoming far less frictionless. That's been the buzzword in regard to Brexit, frictionless trade. Well, I'm afraid it's no longer frictionless. I mean, businesses are surprised at the complexity of the new paperwork around customs documentation. Retail supply chains are being disrupted by rules of origin, stipulations, and the City of London losing business to the EU. You know, it's a difficult backdrop for the UK, and hence sterling really hasn't bounced on the back of this trade deal. It remains where it was before Christmas. Okay, and sticking with the UK, Ali, the main economic release this week is UK GDP data for November. What are we likely to see here? 
Yeah, well, obviously the UK went back into lockdown in November and the forecast is that GDP declined by 4% in the month. Now, that is not as sharp a fall as we saw earlier on in the year because the lockdown wasn't as extensive. Manufacturing, construction and schools all remained open in November. But it's still a sizable hit to the economy and it means that that would take GDP down to about 11.5% below its levels, pre-COVID levels, I should say, from the earlier part of last year. So the key thing is it will be negative. There will be a fall in GDP, but nothing on the scale we saw in the early part of last year. But it just highlights the extent to which the COVID pandemic and the associated restrictions has impacted on UK activity. In November, output 12% below its pre-COVID levels. Obviously, we recovered somewhat in December, but we're into a much more extensive lockdown now. So, you know, the UK, the more than ourselves, will experience a full year where activities has remained weak. It was in March of last year that the, the restrictions associated with the pandemic began to impact, and they're certainly going to last until March of this year. Okay, and moving to the US, Ali, last Friday's US non-farm payroll saw a decline of 140,000 jobs, which ended seven consecutive months of job growth in the US. This came as a little bit of a surprise, given the general economist consensus was in the region of 50,000 additional jobs. Perhaps you can give our listeners a little more colour on the number. Yeah, these were December data, right? And they were weak. Now, payrolls have been growing strongly and the growth was losing momentum. So economists were forecasting a very small rise of 50,000. In the end, it was quite a sharp decline, 140,000. Again, to put that in context, it reflects the fact that you know we've had a rapid rise in COVID cases in the US in the last couple of months, and these are December data. Restrictions have been reimposed in large parts of the economy, particularly the hospitality sector. So within that 140,000 decline, a half a million jobs are actually lost in leisure and hospitality. And that you know simply recognises or is a reflection of the impact of the reimposition of restrictions on activity, bars, restaurants, etc., hotels being closed. So it, it is quite a weak number. Again, to put it in a historical context, the US economy last spring, during the major lockdown there, lost 22 million jobs. Now they've got 12 million of them back, but they're still down 10 million jobs compared to where they were pre-COVID. And they're back into a situation where the workforce is starting to contract again. So, you know, economies over the winter, through quarter four into the opening quarter this year, the US may see a stagnation of activity in terms of the recovering activity, losing momentum, no growth. In Europe, we could actually be into a, could well see a double dip recession. In other words, output decline in both quarter four and again in quarter one. The restrictions of the lockdowns are much more extensive in Europe than the US. But notwithstanding that, the type of restrictions being imposed in the US are obviously impacting the labour market. As I say, a half a million jobs gone there in the month of December in the leisure and hospitality sector. So it just shows you that the pandemic and the restrictions are having an ongoing impact in terms of the pace of economic activity and the recovery in economic activity. Okay, and finally, Ali, this week also sees the release of Eurozone and US industrial production data. What is this data likely to show? Well, again, as I referenced earlier on there in regard to the UK, these data are for the US and Eurozone economies. And manufacturing has been able to remain open, unlike earlier on in the year. So we're expected to see increases in output in the December data in the US and in the November data for the Eurozone. But notwithstanding that ongoing recovery in the manufacturing sector, that would still leave output well below its pre-COVID levels. In the US, the forecast is for output to rise by about a half percent in December. That would still leave the overall level of industrial production down by about four and a half percent on its pre-pandemic levels. 
And in the case of the Eurozone, and it's been powered really by Germany and a strong export recovery there, the German industrial economy recovering quite well, further rising overall Eurozone output expected in November. But there again, that would still leave industrial output in the Eurozone around 3.5% below its pre-pandemic levels. So even in sectors of the economy that are where the, the recovery is ongoing, there's still some way for recovering all the output that was lost in the first half of last year. And I say other sectors which have been impacted by the new restrictions, and we're thinking in particular of the services sector of the economy, you can see the impact that's having in terms of the labour market data in the US. And we're likely to see that in data for January in the services sector of the economy in Europe. And indeed, in Ireland's case, with construction being closed, there were good PMI data here for construction for December, but obviously that's going to fall back again in January with the sector entering a you know, fairly extensive lockdown as and from last Friday. So... It's a difficult winter for the global economy. There's no doubt about that. And it's going to be a difficult opening quarter of the year. We're likely to see output contract on a large number of economies. But at the same time, you know, the vaccines are being rolled out. It will take some time. But, you know, I think it's fair to say what we're seeing here is, is a recovery being deferred rather than derailed. The expectation is that over the second half of the year, as more and more of the populations in various countries are vaccinated, we will see a strong rebound in economic activity. We saw it in the third quarter of last year, except this time the hope is that the rise percentage of the population being vaccinated, that when a recovery takes root, it will be strong. I mean, interest rates are set to remain low. Governments are continuing to support economies. There's been a massive build-up of savings in the private sector, which will be run down as the recovery takes root. So there's still every prospect of a you know, very strong rebound to economic activity over the second half of the year. But for now, really, it's batting down the hatches. We are in a very difficult period in terms of a rising number of COVID cases, both here and elsewhere. And that will take its toll on economic activity in the first quarter of the year. Ollie, we'll leave it there for this week. Thanks, as always, for your insights. COVID continues to dominate both conversation and markets. And for customers impacted by COVID, you can find the details of AIB support packages at aib.ie forward slash COVID. Finally, thank you to our customers for listening in. To stay up to date with the markets, please press the subscribe button to AIB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.